I figured it worked so well the first time. Why not do it again? And so I am doing overwhelmed, not overwhelmed, <laughs> overcome, uh, overcome car edition part two. Because this really is a good time. And I just, I've gotten to the point where I stopped asking too many questions at least i at least i'm trying to get to the point where i stop asking too many questions of god and just okay this is what i feel you're telling me do it right now because i keep hearing that slow obedience is still disobedience and so i'm i'm working on it i am working on it but in the last few days I've gotten to a place, actually, it's not the last few days, but I've, it's really started to manifest in how I feel and how I'm acting and how I'm thinking and how I'm walking and how I'm working. In the last few days, I've gotten very confused about what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like, God has told me this is what you this is your purpose right this is where you're going and i know a lot of people and i've heard it even from pastors i really like and respect and i listen to and i and i gain um knowledge and wisdom from right even pastors that i listen to say well god doesn't show you the end because if he showed you the end you wouldn't it wouldn't take faith to get there you'd just be working because you know what the end looks like and that may be true in some instances and for some people. But I wholeheartedly believe that God has shown me what my promise is, like what what my end looks like, not the end, but what my life looks like when I'm fully walking in purpose and I've gotten to the point where I am. I mean, I don't even know if I've mentioned it, but giving away a million dollars a year is one of my life goals. Like to be able to regularly give away, not like tax write-off giveaway, but actively just give to be giving. Not necessarily to 501c3s, but like a random stranger at the gas station. A not a million dollars to a random stranger at the gas station, but just filling up. Hey, everybody who's getting gas right now, put that on me. I got it. Everybody that's in a line for groceries right now. Everybody here for the grocery store. If you don't mind waiting, bring your groceries to this line. I'm going to be here for the next three hours. I'm paying for all of them. Just little things like that. And a lot of that comes from... I remember needing somebody to buy my groceries and that's literally, I don't think it's ever happened to me, but I remember needing somebody to buy my groceries or I wasn't going to eat. I remember needing somebody to fill up my gas tank or I wasn't going to be able to get nowhere, including to work. I remember those moments. And so I want to be able to help you. And I, and I know that God has shown me you will get into a place where you'll be able to do that whenever you want, however you want. Whenever I tell you to do it, you'll be ready. 
not just in a place where you can afford to do it, where you can have the money to do it, but in a place where you don't have to be somewhere next so you can just sit there and do it. And that's a lot of the struggle I'm working with right now is because I feel the internal struggle of when God is telling me to do something, I don't have the time to do it because I have to work or I don't get paid. And if I don't get paid, bills don't get paid. And if bills don't get paid, like, it would be great to podcast. Like, it's it's a great, like, I know one of the things God has told me to do is to podcast, right? It's real hard to podcast when you don't have no internet, no cell phone, no computer. <laughs> right? Like, it, it just, you, you can't do it. You cannot podcast if you don't have electricity. And one, I know, like, I know that. I know that God has told me to give my time coaching. But as a coach, my busiest days working in my in my job, in my life, the job that pays my bills right now, my busiest days working are Saturday and Sunday. My busiest times working are night times. Well, as a coach, practices are at night, games are on Saturdays and Sundays. So I'm not supposed to work during the busiest time in order to do something for free because and and that is like a lot of a lot of time like when i think of sacrificial giving a lot of times when i think of sacrificial giving i think giving money i don't have giving you know so i go to the gas station and i need a full tank of gas but instead of filling up my tank i only put ten dollars in my tank and I fill up the other person's car. And now I don't have no money left. Or, you know, going to the grocery store and watching a person have to put all of their groceries back because they don't because they thought they were gonna get the food stamps and they didn't, and so now they can't get groceries, and so I'm having to watch them take their basket and put it all back saying, you know what? Just take my basket. I'm not gonna don't worry about it. I'll figure something else out. You take my back. Like that is sacrificial giving because it's like I needed it, whether it's money, food, whatever, I needed it and I gave it to someone else. But I think for me specifically, God knows I don't mind doing that. And so he's like, I have to take some like it's really not a sacrifice until it feels like a sacrifice. The same way I know um Tim Ross says it's not submission until it feels like submission. It's not a sacrifice until it feels like a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice until you feel like you've lost something. And so, like, it's not a sacrifice if you didn't need it. Giving money, you you have an abundance. Like, if I went and asked Beyonce for $10 and she gave it to me, that's not sacrificial giving. But if I went and asked the lady who survives on a seven twenty five an hour job, food stamps, and rental assistance for that same ten dollars the day after all the bills are paid and she only got nine dollars and I ask her for ten and she go looking through her couch and find me a, a tenth dollar to give me that sacrificial giving. It's the same ten dollars. I know in the Bible they give the story of the woman who came in and gave the one coin or the two coins. I can't remember exactly. 
And again, this is the car edition, so I'm literally driving. So I'm not going to pull out my Bible and look it up. But she gave either one or two coins. And Jesus told the people in the church, what she gave is worth more than everything y'all gave. Even though they were giving way more. I know I've heard one pastor describe it like they were giving millions of dollars. And she gave it, came in and gave what would be equivalent to pennies. But Jesus said, because it was all she had, it was worth more. And so I feel like I'm in a place where God is saying, okay, you've told me you trust me. You told me you have faith. You told me you're leaning on me. You told me you're not following your own understanding, but you're doing whatever I tell you to do. Now I'm going to start telling you to do some stuff that really will put you out. Not just make you uncomfortable, but put you out. Like, And this... For people who know me, know me, like people real close to me, so they know what I'm really going through in life right now on June 7th, 2023, they can, like, this This example is going to be funny to them, but in the eviction process, right, in the state of Texas, you, as a landlord, someone has to first miss their rent, like not pay on time. Before you can kick them out. You can't just kick somebody out just because you want to. They could be. You know. The worst person ever. But if they. Are paying their bills on time. And they are absolutely. Destroying your house. And you have physical proof of it. There's really nothing to do right. But even if they don't pay on time right. It's doing the first. The state says you have to give them a late period. And you can charge a late fee, but your late fee can only be 12% of the total rent. So you can't charge an abundant fee. It can only be up to 12% of the total rent. And I get it. It's it's protecting the little men from... It's protecting the middle class and the lower class from price gouging of the higher. Like, that makes total sense. Right? If I didn't have it on the first... And you add $500 to it on the 4th. What make you think I'm going to have it on the 4th? I get that completely. So that's set up for them, right? But even after that late period, if you want them out, you then have to file a notice to vacate. Basically saying, I want you out because you haven't paid your rent. And you have to give them three days after that to pay their rent. And then if they choose not to leave, you as the landlord have to go to the court and you have to file an eviction notice. And that filing costs money. I know in Dallas County, it's $134, maybe $136, but I think it's $134. So you have to file an eviction notice. After you file the eviction notice, the judge will set a date. That date of court can be anywhere from four to eight weeks, usually eight weeks. So let's say, let's say someone doesn't pay their rent for April. And so on April 4th, three days later, after the late period, you give them a notice to vacate. They say they're not going to vacate. So on April 7th, three days after that, you go to the court and you file for an eviction. And that's, of course, if the 7th is not a Saturday or a Sunday. 
because then you have to wait until that next Monday. So you go and file for eviction. Now they've already lived in your house for a month without paying rent. Or let's say they have. Let's say let's say your your rent your um lease contract is to where the first time they're late. It, they don't have to be a full month late. They can just be a few days late. And the state of Texas doesn't really appreciate those, and they'll probably almost always get thrown out. That's something I've been told by a judge. So let's say they let you get a month late. You get a month late. Or let's say they don't. Let's say it's best case scenario. You're in a state that says that the first time they're late, give them that late period, give uh, give them that grace period, give them notice vacate. They've lived in your house for free for a week. Then the judge says, okay, well, I'm going to set the court date for the end of next month. So they go through the whole month, go through the whole next month. Now, two months later, they have a court date. Right. The end of May. They didn't pay in April. So you filed for eviction on April 7th. The court date was set for May 31st. So they have a court date and they've given you all of April, all of May, no money. So you've now paid, if you're a landlord, two months worth of their rent to make sure that your bills are paid. Because remember, everything is still in your name. You're the landlord and your mortgage company or whoever does not care, your title company, your loan officer, whoever, they don't care if this person hasn't paid you, you still have to pay them. So then you go to court. Let's say they show up. Let's say they don't show up. Let's They don't show up. They have another week. You, the judge says, okay, I'm granting you the eviction because they didn't show up to court on May 31st. They have five days, business days, Monday through Friday, which means they have a full week because they don't count the weekend. They have a full week after they've already had two months. They have another week to appeal. Now, in order to appeal, they only have to pay one month's worth of rent. So they're two months behind, but they only have to pay one month in order to appeal and get another two months out court date. So let's say they appeal on the last day, the seventh day. So now it's been two months and a week. The judge says, okay, I'm going to set the court date for the end of the next month. So now we're looking at the end of July. They haven't paid you since April. So now April, May, June, July, you get there the end of July and the judge says, okay, I'm saying they're evicted. They have three days to get all of their things out of your house. Three days later, they haven't gotten all of their things out of your house. Now we're into August. Remember, they haven't paid you anything since April. April, May, June, July, we're into August. After the third day, you have to go to the constable or go back to court and pay for a writ of possession, meaning the constable can go get their stuff out. That costs you, not them, you, $175. So now you paid $135 to file the eviction in the first place and $175 to get them forced out because you cannot go over and take their stuff out. You cannot do that in Dallas County and Texas. I don't know what about other states. So then the constable says, okay, well, I'm available two weeks from now. So now we're two weeks into August before they can be forced out of your house. 
And y'all like, okay, where are you going with this? It's uncomfortable to have court dates, have evictions put on you, have someone emailing you on a weekly basis, reminding you of bills that are like, you haven't paid the utilities. You still haven't paid rent for April, May, June, July, August. You haven't paid the late fee for April, May, June, July, August. You haven't paid utilities for April, May, June, July, August. You will not be receiving your security deposit back because of all of the other fees that are coming into play with the fact that you haven't paid anything for April, May, June, July, August. And that's uncomfortable, right? For you as the person who may be getting evicted. And so you are uncomfortable. But when the constable actually comes and knocks on your door and says, you have one hour to get everything you can get and get out of here. And then you may never come back on here again or it will be trespassing and you will be arrested. Time starts now. Go. That's a different feeling. And for me right now, I feel like God has been saying, okay, here's a reminder of the things I need you to do, right? You're uncomfortable. I'm going to make you uncomfortable now. I'm going to raise the rent. I'm going to ask you for a little bit more, right? As, as a landlord, you, can, you can't lock, lock them out, but I can take away access to the security system. You no longer have access to the security system. So you and your things, they're all, if they get stolen, the house gets broken into, I have insurance to cover me. I hope you have insurance to cover you, but I'm no longer giving you access to my security system. I'm saying you can, you can say, oh, the hot water doesn't work. Okay. I could get over there to fix that, but I'm not because you haven't paid April, May, June, July, August. So when you catch up on your rent, I'll make sure you have hot water till then. I guess you could boil it on the stove. Before you put it in the bathtub, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, the dishwasher doesn't work. Oh, the garbage disposal doesn't work. Oh, the stove went out. I am so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not coming to fix any of those things until you've caught up on your rent. Oh, you've locked a closet door. Not an exterior door that stops you from getting in the house and being able to sleep, but you've locked a closet door and don't know how to open it because it's just locked and you've locked the key inside. Okay, well, I do have a spare key to that. I'm not bringing it to you until you've caught up on your rent. And if you destroy that door, you'll have to repay. You have to pay to get it fixed. I will sue you for those damages. Yes, sir, I will. That's uncomfortable because now you have to live uncomfortably right? I can make life uncomfortable. The landlord can make life uncomfortable, but he can't lock you out. And I feel like that's what God has been doing. He's been like, okay, I'm going to ask you for a little bit more now. I'm going to make it a little bit tougher on you. I'm going to, I'm going to make life a little bit tougher. I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze a little bit harder in these places. In some places, not in Dallas County of Texas, but in some places you can randomly go up on rent. Hey, I know, I know we have a contract, um, and rent so far has been a thousand dollars a month. Next year, I'm gonna make it two thousand dollars a month. So, 
I know that you, you know, have been living on a thousand dollars a month. I know your kids love the school that's right across the street. I know you've moved your things. I know you moved your mom and you have all of this equipment in here and it's great. And this is the perfect location. It's right across the street from your kid's school, but only a block away from where you work and everything's super convenient because you don't have a car. And so you can walk your kids to school and then continue your walk to work. I understand that if you would like to stay here in this convenience, I'm going to double the price of rent for you. Because there's nowhere else in this area that's only going to charge you a thousand dollars. I know I was doing something. What do you? I know I was doing something nice for you, but I'm not going to continue doing something. I'm going to make it a little more difficult. I'm going to ask you for more. And I feel like that's what God has been doing in my life, right? Asking me for more, making things a little bit more difficult. But I feel like God is starting to say, okay. The constable's here. You have one hour to get all your things and go. I feel like I cussed earlier, and I'm sorry if I did. I cannot remember. Um, but it, and I know that sounds bad, and it sounds like, why would God put you out? Why would God evict you from the church of Christianity? And that's not what I'm saying. I don't feel like God is kicking me out of Christianity. I think it's God. God is kicking me out of the house. Anybody who's had a teenager knows sometimes you just have to look, okay, I've done everything I can do in the house. You believe you got it? Go. Or I've done everything I can do for you in the house. So I believe you got it. I know you don't think so. But the only way for me to prove that you got it is to make you go get it. And I know parents who have been in both situations, who have, who have been like, then the only way you'll realize you are already prepared for real life is if I kick you out and let you experience real life. Because then you'll realize you got it. Stop being so scared. I've given you all the tools. All you have is all you need, right? And that's what God wants to do. And then there's those other people, or no, that's what God would prefer to do over this other option, which is, look, you, you absolutely refuse to do what I've asked you to do. You've absolutely refused to follow my instructions. You've absolutely refused to be better. So if you're not going to listen, go figure it out on your own. Right? And then come back when you realize that you don't have the ability to figure it out on your own. God don't want to do that, but he will. And then that's what God really wants to do, which is, hey, you're ready now. And then you say, okay, God, I'm taking that next step because you told me I should. And I'm trying to get there, y'all. I am trying to get to, okay, God, you told me to take that next step so that I'm, I'm stepping. I'm trying to get there. But I feel like what God is showing me recently is like, I've been telling you, you are ready. I've been telling you, you don't need this. I know, I know you feel like you have to do X, Y, and Z to provide for yourself, but if you would stop doing X, Y, and Z and focus on A, B, C like I told you to, X, Y, and Z will be handled. I have provisions already taken care of for X, Y, and Z, but you're so busy focused on X, Y, and Z that you're not taking care of what I'm telling you to take care of. 
And so what I'm telling you to take care of isn't getting done. So you'll never be able to reach the promise. So I'm going to have to start either stripping the things that that are building you, the things that you think are sustaining you. I'm going to have to start stripping those away so that you have no choice but to focus on what I'm telling you to do. Or you can just do what I'm telling you to do. And so I've been I've been trying really hard to focus on what God is telling me to do, doing it. And then in the me in the other times, whatever time is left after I've done what God says do, whatever time is left, if I feel like I have to provide for myself, and I know that's not the right way to y'all gonna say, Well, that's still not faith. I know. I'm working on it. I'm working on getting to the point where it's like, okay, I'm only going to do what God told me to do. I'm not doing nothing else. But that's where my struggle is right now. My struggle is trying to discern what it is he's telling me to do. And is that, is he still telling me, okay, now make sure you still provide for yourself in these areas at these times, but put me first. Put these things that I've told you to do, put them first. A, B, C, if I give you a D, E, and F, do them too. And if you feel like you have an extra 45 minutes, if you feel like you have an extra two hours, you feel like you have an extra four hours, and you just don't want to do nothing else, then you could go do those things and have extra. But if you just do what I'm telling you to do, I promise you I'll take care of you. If you just do what I'm telling you to do, I promise you I'll take care of you. If you just do what I'm telling you to do, then I promise you I'll take care of you. And that's not easy. It is not easy in the least of the bits. It is a struggle, not every day, not every hour. It's a struggle every moment. Just trying to figure out is God to like here's an example. Monday this week, so two days ago. Today's Wednesday, y'all. Two days ago, I woke up on time, kind of. My alarm went off. I woke up with my alarm and then said I could push 30 more minutes. So I woke up in time to if I I left the house the same time Monday that I left the house today. Today I got to the gym on time. Monday, when I left the house, it said your trip to the gym is going to be an hour and a half. Or it said an hour. And then by the time I was 10 minutes into, because I was, I said, okay, well, that's a little late, but I'd still be able to get in a few runs, whatever. But as I get on the highway and get stuck in the traffic, that time just keeps going up and going up and going up. So when it got to an hour and a half, and your gym time is normally 5.30 to 7, and it's saying you're going to get there at 6.35. It ain't no reason for you to sit in this traffic for the next hour. When you left the house at 5 to get there at 5.30. So I look at the other side of the highway. I say, okay, there's no traffic over there. I'm going to just turn around, go home, go back to sleep. Get up at 7 and start my day at 7, which is what I would have done anyway because I would have been at the gym till 7. So I get off the highway, turn around, and that trip, which was only supposed to take 10 minutes, went from 10 minutes to 40 minutes. And I still didn't get home. I was only 10 minutes away from now. Still didn't get back home 
until 20 minutes before seven. And I said, God, is, is this you telling me I don't need to go to the gym? Like, is this you telling me I should have been focusing on something else this morning instead of trying to get to the gym? Or is this you telling me get to the gym? Because when I turned around, it was like, it, it should I have been going to the gym, but I need to wake up on time when that first alarm goes off and get there. Because had I left at 445 because I woke up at 4, I wouldn't have had no problem getting there at um, I wouldn't have had no problem getting there on time because the accidents all happened after I would have passed them. Or is this you saying get to the gym. These are all just distractions. Don't let them distract you and deter you. That's why when you turned around, it was even worse. Or even more, like, what are you saying to me, God? What are you saying to me, God? What are you saying to me, God? Like, I just, I was so confused. And so when I finally got home, I just asked, I, God, listen, I need to know. What, it, what, this don't sound big to everybody else. But am I supposed to be going to the gym or no? Like, am, am I supposed to be waking up, going to the gym, getting there on time or not? Tell me. Show me. Give me a sign. So then, of course, today, I wake up. Not on the first alarm. Even though I do wake up with the first alarm and I don't really go back to sleep because I'm already thinking this in my head like last time, remember, right? So I wake up and then on that second alarm, I get up and I said, and I'm like, mm. but I really don't like, I did everything to prepare, but brush my teeth. All I got to do is brush my teeth and then go. And that ain't going to take but four minutes. So I, Okay, so I'm going to set the time to where if I, I if I do everything else, all I got to do, like I can still take that extra 19 minutes of sleep, four minutes, and still be in the car by five the same way I would have been if I woke up right now. Get up. And then remember, I'm not at this thing by myself. So now I'm ready to jump up four minutes to the bathroom, get out, but it's somebody in the bathroom. So I can't run into the bathroom. Then I'm oh, but I keep that extra toothbrush in the car and that toothpaste in the car. And I got all them water bottles in it. Going downstairs, brush my teeth in the car. I don't have my contacts. I can't see nothing. Like, forget about playing the game. I can't get to the gym with no contacts. So I have to wait for the bathroom. Jesus, if I'm just not supposed to go to the gym. Or if this is just about timing, let me know. As soon as I said that, the light came on in the living room, which meant the bathroom is open. I said, okay, well, I hear you. I'm going to be on time from now on. Go upstairs, put my contacts in, come back, still get to the gym on time. Have a really good day at the gym. Get a good workout in, get good games in. Get started with the rest of my day. And it's like, okay, so.
So what else are you telling me that I'm not doing? What else have I been missing? What else have I been getting notification for that I haven't been understanding? And so that's my question right now in the worship. What am I missing? What have I not been doing that you've been telling me to do? What am I not understanding that you tell me I need to understand? What am I not listening to that I need to be listening to? What am I not discerning correctly? What am I not discerning correctly? Like, I feel like I have a good sense of discernment, but I'm not perfect. What am I not discerning correctly? What am what are you telling me that I'm misunderstanding? Where's their communication gap, God? Where's their communication lapse, God? Where's there a place where my understanding should be stronger than it is, but it's not? Where is that at? Because I feel like I'm doing it right. I feel like I'm, I'm taking the right. 